the Lord be with you and also with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. We gather in virtual worship this Eastertide Sunday. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, music, and sermon are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation today and later around the globe. The service includes a sermon recorded April 7th, along with music and liturgy from earlier services. We welcome your support and responses. We await your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, when again it is permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
May we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, it is our practice to begin each week with a moment of quiet, of meditation, to recognize that but for the grace of God we would not be, and but for the grace of God we could not love, and but for the grace of God we should not speak. But by God's grace we live, we love, we speak. As the choir sings for us, let us lift our prayers of silent confession. Let us pray. guide us to remember the teaching of Scripture. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. 
Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 2. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed. We have seen it and testified to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is a message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. We say that we have fellowship with him, while we are walking in darkness, we lie, and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us all from sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 133 with the Antiphon. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. beloved, please rise for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. And do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
In our spiritual Easter basket this morning, we find gracious gifts of memory and mind, of story and song. Just before Easter some years ago, a dear mentor died, the Reverend William Sloan Coffin, who had been our pastor at Riverside Church in New York. He comes to memory at Easter as he did this Easter. His example and service were a beacon and guide for us as was his preaching at Yale and then in New York. At Easter, his memory arises partly because he had such a gift for epigrams. In the joy of Easter, there is in the seasonal basket the particular joy of his capacity to put things simply and say things briefly. He was a stellar epigrammatist as, in his own way, was the author of our fourth gospel read a moment ago. Here are a few from Coffin. There is more mercy in God than sin in us. To age is to grow from passion to compassion. When my son died, God's heart broke first. The separation of church and state is not the separation of a Christian from her politics. Lent is the time to get rid of your guilt. I'm not okay and you're not okay, but that's okay. Courage is the most important virtue because it makes all the others possible. Rules are signposts, not hitching posts. Hell is truth seen too late. The trick in life is to die young as late as possible. The longest, most arduous trip in the world is the journey from the head to the heart. Good preaching is never at people, it's for people. In our spiritual Easter basket this morning, we also find gracious gifts of memory and mind, of story and song. In a class on pastoral leadership this past week, we read Parker Palmer's classic, The Courage to Teach. And it explores the relationship of the teacher's inner life to the craft of teaching. Those truest to and closest to their own best selves invariably become the most mindful teachers of whose insights we are most often reminded. Take Dr. Christopher Morse, who taught us to think about things, like heaven, for instance. How are we to think about heaven? One way to think about something is to think about its opposite. Our Bible uses the word heaven in opposition to the word earth. Heaven is up there, earth is down here. Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. As the heavens are high above the earth, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven represents the ultimate or penultimate reality of the physical world in the Bible as it does in the ancient philosophers. But we are today reluctant to think that heaven is up there for we know that up there is the moon, the Milky Way, and the expanding even infinite universe. Our Bible also speaks of heaven in contrast to hell. Now the comparison is not between up and down as much as it is between lasting good and lasting bad. Heaven is good, hell is bad, but we also have some question about these inherited mythological accounts of hell, as well as similar accounts of this heaven. Harps, wings, clouds, fire, forks, tails. Good we acknowledge, evil we acknowledge. Hell is the absence of God or good we acknowledge. But hell is the eternal torment administered in punitive ways by a divinity of somewhat unpleasant temperament. This hell we question. 
Here is a third contrast, not heaven and earth nor heaven and hell, but heaven and hurt. It is at the heart of the Gospel of John and the marrow of the Easter Gospel that something happened, not up and down or good and bad, but now and then. This contrast is built on time rather than, than on space or on morals. Heaven is then, earth is now. A belief in heaven then is a trust in what is taking place over against a knowledge of what is in place. What is taking place contrasted with what is in place. What is at hand as contrasted to what is in hand. Now we see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Now we see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Easter reminds us, brings to mind, heaven is both near and different, utterly close at hand, yet completely different from anything in hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The reign of God has come near to you. You are not far from the kingdom of God. The Lord is at hand. And yet there is nothing in our hands like what God hands us. The resurrection is Christ's victory over death when no other victory avails. In our spiritual Easter basket this morning, we find gracious gifts of memory and mind, of story and song. The Holy Scripture brings the story of Easter nestled into our Easter basket this Easter tide. Last week, we heard from 1 Corinthians 15, wherein Paul writes to address an argument in the church about resurrection. This is utterly fascinating in itself, since it shows that not 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion, there was already church disagreement about resurrection. Imagine that. It is a pastoral letter, a pastoral word, 1 Corinthians. Paul sits at the bedside, as it were, he takes your hand and remembers your experience in receiving an inherited tradition, dead, buried, raised on the third day. He mentions to you, hand on shoulder, the centrality of resurrection to the whole of Christian preaching. He pauses to place this account of resurrection into an apocalyptic frame, which he brought with him from Judaism. But notices your flagging interest in the history of religions. So, as he did with circumcision in Galatians, and as we are perhaps inclined to think he often did in polemic, Paul lets the whole gospel ride on one point, on this one point, at this point. He recites names of people you also have heard of, Peter, James, and others, with you perhaps asking in Hemingway fashion for your own experience too, what is your actual? Experience of life, death, love, the numinous. He recounts experiences of others who have known an appearance, apostles, individuals, and groups, even himself. This is our one and only primary source reference to a personal experience of the risen Christ, by the way. He points to popular religious practices, the experience apparently known in the Corinthian church of baptizing in the name of the dead, then there is a lengthy pause, and he dramatically asserts his own experience of suffering and risks of death as sure evidence 
of the power of resurrection. He pointedly equates denial of resurrection with license to do as we please. Paul even takes up less intelligibly and more mystically the further question of how resurrection happens. He then, more philosophically and lengthily, assesses our experiences of the glories of nature, the created order, the firmament, the physical body. The passage, the whole passage, is based on experience. While he starts with his own experience, he leans heavily on yours. Then his conclusion, listen for what is not said, too. Paul also, for all the experiential assurance of the chapter, clearly announces that he tells of a mystery. Not a fact, a mystery. Not a miracle, a mystery. Not a wonder, a mystery. Not evidence or verdict, a mystery. Behold, I tell you, a mystery. To announce this mystery, the New Testament in general and Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 convey three different accounts of resurrection. Peter, representing, say, the first three Gospels, emphasizes a physical resurrection, an empty tomb, more than resuscitation to be sure, but physical nonetheless. Paul emphasizes a spiritual resurrection known in Revelation. John announces an existential resurrection, one that fills all of life and creation, that was presaged by the raising of Lazarus, one that makes the cross itself a glorification, a completion. Peter shows us an empty tomb. Paul blows the trumpet of heaven. John acclaims a full heart. All three emphases, perhaps providentially provided to reach the varied hearts and minds of various women and men, all the spots on the personality map, affirm that something happened. Something for dreamers, something for doubters, something for doers, something for engineers, something for philosophers, something for politicians. You may ask if they are all on the same page. Well, we reply, they're all singing out of the same hymnal. Sings Peter, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Sings Paul, my chains fell off, my heart was free. Sings John, he walks with me and he talks with me. What the church has tried to name over the centuries in the weeks of Easter is that something happened, something physical, something spiritual, something experiential. There is room for your particular temperament here. And to some measure, they must all be true. For the phys physical resurrection, the resurrection of the body, at the least is attested in the ongoing life of the church and the spiritual res resurrection is at least attested in the preaching of the faith, and the existential resurrection is at least attested in unexpected, undeserved, real love. Something happened. The church is alive. The future is open. Love is real. The Lord is risen indeed. In our spiritual Easter basket this morning, we find gracious gifts of memory and mind, of story and song. It has been just over a year since our last wedding here at in Marsh Chapel. So to converse last week with a couple 
to be married up the coast this fall, the first since March of 2020, brought an unexpected wave of emotion. Joy, a song of joy of its own. And after the conversation, the words and rhythms and gladness of weddings flooded in, in full. Especially the song of St. Paul, not always used in weddings, and when used, not always rightly used, but still used often. An Easter song of love. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For our knowledge is imperfect, and our prophecy is imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. So faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Memory and mind, story and song. Made like him, like him we rise, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Alleluia. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed.
now come to, to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Creator of the universe, as the weather begins to warm our city and our days continue to grow longer, we pray that we see your beauty in the creation around us. We pray for every brief moment before us, and we pray that we see the significance in it all. We pray that we see our meaning as beings grounded in you. We pray for our community that we may continue to be an outpouring of love to the tapestries of society that we are a part of. We pray for the Boston University community as many students begin to face the most stressful periods in their semesters. We pray for those around us in need. We pray for those around us facing pain and suffering, both spoken and outspoken, that they may find the comfort they need. We pray for our planet that so desperately needs protection. We pray for the environment that we often neglect. We pray that we never forget our humble place in existence and we understand the great responsibilities we have as beings on earth. We pray that we do not take for granted the wonder and grandeur of nature. We pray for the current leaders in our world that they may work for justice, truth, and unity. We pray that we may see through the divides in our communities, in our societies, and in our own lives. In this all, we pray that we may accept and embrace the tensions in our lives, rejecting a resentment of existence, and standing faithfully courageous and humbly present in the midst of tension, reflecting the inspiring, humble life of the one who took on the tension of existence with faithful courage, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. And as our Lord, Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
O ever-loving God, we offer you these gifts in praise of your blessing. You exemplify your love for us through your teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With your guidance, we hope to grow as individuals and spread your love. May these gifts being offered exemplify our never-ending gratitude for your compassion and forgiveness. We pray these things in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The God of steadfastness and encouragement grant, grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of all grace bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.